Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I am your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Dr. Mike back on the show, and I ask him your questions. We cover everything from skull crushes and the variants of that and which ones maybe are best for you and things to think about and consider. We also ask about what Mike thinks Jared might achieve in the IFBB leagues. And also we ask about what Mike is maybe going to be doing after bodybuilding. What is there for the future? And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. As always, if you do enjoy it, please leave us a like, subscribe to the channel, share it with anyone you think might like it. Or if you're over on one of the podcast providers, please give us a nice high rating over on there. We really appreciate all of the support so we can reach as many people as possible and keep this going. But without further ado, let's get into the show. Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And at some point, and I was going to do it at some stage with you, Mike, I was going to try and vary my intro, but I went into automatic mode. I don't know if you have that in life where you start something, you're just like, oh, <laughs> like my body just moves without thinking at this point. <laughs> well, what were you going to do? Can you give us I a don't even preview? know. <laughs> I think I'd have to script out and everything. I'm that sort of person. I'm just like, <laughs> I'll freeze. I'm not like you off the cuff. I can't do off the cuff like funny. I'm just like, uh, I'm funny by accident, not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. I just have a lot more accidents. Um, yeah, uh, Steve, I think your intro is is right as rain. I think it's, it's the best <laughs> intro on all of YouTube. Feel free to never change. If, if now you've said that, I am that person that's just like, I, don't know, I can eat one meal every day. I can do like... Boring monotony is like, that's my, my yes. thing. That's my jam. Yes. Because you're so, the first person in England to ever say that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a fun Q&A again. Um, actually, someone literally messaged me like a week ago. They're like, where are the Q&As with Mike? And I was like, well, we had one just literally came out. And then this one is probably going to come out in the new year. So 2023, I imagine, because I've been trying to get ahead of kind of the, the recordings and everything. And Great. again, I just want to say a massive thank you. I haven't actually, I was going to do it before this and I completely forgot. I was going to look at how many episodes we'd recorded this year i've no doubt again you are the person i've recorded the most episodes with and they go down the best uh they get the most views so i just want to say again thank you for kind of spending the time with me mike and i know the listeners are more than happy for it too well steve it's always an honor and pleasure to be on your podcast it's labeled as work in my calendar but it never feels like work so it's, it's, it's good. super super awesome yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're getting to the questions because I think last time I actually covered off like selfish questions and then it got to one of the, the listener questions. So <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll get to more of them this time. And the first one is from Raul. And he actually asked uh, with Skull Crushers, he, he mentioned that he sees you guys at kind of Team Full Rom quite often doing them to the face and not kind of behind. Whereas he's kind of asking, have you ever thought about kind of extending behind the head again more maybe of the long head of the tricep and what the difference might be there? Yes, I have a lot, a lot to say about this. The first is we are going to have, we already filmed it. So in the next few months, check out the RP YouTube, Renaissance Precision YouTube, because we'll have a Skull Crusher tutorial video um, in the Targeting the Muscle series. And it's basically a series about like, okay, you want to target your triceps, you're doing Skull Crushers. What tips can we give you about Skull Crushers that will help you target the triceps better? Because as you know, Steve, there's a difference between doing a movement and doing the movement to really target the muscle. Um, this became very clear to me. I mean, I've always sort of not always known it for a while, but I had a chance recently to train uh, a few CrossFitters. Uh, one of them was Rich Froning, one of the best CrossFitters to ever do it. Wow. The second second best of all time. And uh, so the guys did five by 20 in the high bar squat. Okay. 
And Rich Froning was sick for like a week and a half before, and he breathed heavy like once. And then he was like, I'm okay. And I'm like, what? And the other guy who was in, in, in competition shape, he just never breathed heavy a single time. Barely broke a sweat. And I was like, this is insane. But one thing I noticed was it was I had to continually cue them on squatting into their quads. They would squat in the biomechanically best position to be able to do the most reps and be most efficient. And while that's great, it'll hypertrophy the lower body generally really well. It doesn't specifically hit the quads as well as it could because there's a way to squat, as you all know, that is as soon as you start sitting down, you start to sit forward into your quads, Tom Platt style, really flaring your knees forward, um, slow in the eccentric. So we've got, uh, you know, just because you're doing a movement like skull crushers doesn't mean you're targeting the muscle as well as you could. So that's the first thing. So look out for that video. The second thing is behind the head. So skull crushers, and I go through this in the video, but skull crushers to actually where you touch them on a bench. Have you ever seen that variant, Steve? Like you're yeah. laying on a bench, you actually touch it, pause on the bench and come up. Skull crushers to here, skull crushers to midline of the nose, tip of the nose, lips, uh, chin. Some flexible people with certain limb ratios can skull crush to their touch their neck. That's actually excellent because it gives you a huge stretch. And then the next version is to the clavicles, which is actually called the jam press. There's a spectrum of pressing and extending all the way from a close grip press all the way to a skull crusher that goes above your head. And funny enough, if you change the position to get the human standing all the way to where they're touching the back of their neck, and then it's an overhead tricep extension. That whole movement from this press here all the way to back here, it's no wrong answers. That all trains the triceps. And especially if you start here with a skull crusher from the chin, more specifically, and go to above the head, touching anywhere in this part is all, it's all green check marks. The real question is, do you do sometimes one, sometimes the other for variation? A few muscle cycles here and there? Totally yes. The other one is, which one of those gives you the best stimulus to fatigue ratio? Now, for me, I have to touch like my nose or my chin, because if I bend my elbows back this way, they just end up hurting a lot. And I used to do skull crushers like that all the time, or at least try to. And all I got was elbow pain. And I was like, skull crushers are a bad exercise for me. I just never do them. Then I kind of got, got to a revelation. And I was like, ooh, I'll try to do this thing that I do with my squats, where I sit my hips back a little bit and then break at my knees. Because if I just try to sit forward, you can even think about it. If you just try to push your knees forward as the first movement of squat, can't you feel the knee pain already? You're just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. I want to sit back a little bit and then it's all good. Basically, when I do skull crushers, what I want to do is break at the elbows forward a little bit and then come down as opposed to breaking back the entire time. So for me, a skull crusher behind the head or even to the, the actual uh, forehead is something that uh, irritates my elbows. And so I do the other variants, but for other people, they could absolutely do it here. And if it feels great, absolutely do it. So that's thing number two. Thing number three is, again, what I just said is true. And if you want to hit the long head a little bit better, uh, totally great to go, you know, to forehead or above. That being said, it's kind of like um, if you really want a burger, just get a burger instead of getting a burrito that's like a burger burrito where it's like it's got all the stuff of a burger but in a burrito. If you really crave a burger, just go get a burger. It's totally fine to get a burrito burger, and that's maybe what you're craving. But if you really want the burger inside, like the easiest, shortest way to do that is do that. So the analogy works like this. If you want to hit the long head, just stand up and do an overhead tricep extension. Now that's going to, behind the neck, trains and stretches your long head so much more than just touching here, that if you, if the words long head come out of your mouth, 
I'm thinking we're seated or standing and we're doing overhead extensions behind the neck. That's the most straightforward way to hit them. It's kind of like if I asked you, hey, Steve, how do I rig a deadlift to hit my quads? Your first inclination might be like, do you like really limit on equipment or something? If there are ways to rig a deadlift to hit the quads. She's like, none of them are that great. And the deadlift rig to hit the quads where, you know, like have like a deficit pull and it's a hex bar and you squat sort of between it. Uh, it can hit your quads pretty well. It'll hit the rest of your lower body like crazy. It'll fry your glutes and, and all that other stuff. Just like a skull crusher to here will hit the rest of your triceps like crazy and hit the long head a bit more. But if you really, really, really want to hit the long head, there is a plethora, a huge variant, straight bar, easy bar out, easy bar in, cable, one arm, et cetera, all overhead. There's like six exercises overhead that you could just be doing. So if you're serious about hitting the long head, yes, you could do the skull crushers to get a good long head stimulus and a good stimulus for the others. But if you really, really, really want, okay, long head, long head, long head, which I also think is like, it's one of the heads. I don't know why people are obsessed with that one specifically. Yeah, they I think it's maybe the <laughs> only one they learn and they're like, I know the name of this thing. I should do it. Uh, and there are legitimate reasons to hit the long head that I would just say, okay, yes, the skull crusher can do that job. But have you considered doing the job with overhead extensions? You know, it's like, you know, if you're in the military and you're like, you have a vehicle and you're like, I want to be really, 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 really safe. How much armor do I put on my Humvee? You're like, just get a tank. And you're like, right, okay. There's actually a thing with lots of armor. It's called a tank. It does that job the best of anything else. Uh, and there are absolutely times where you need more mobility. So you want a Hummer with more armor. But if you're starting to put tons and tons of armor and the Hummer's slowing down to where it's as slow as a tank, maybe you should just get a tank. So if you're like, oh, but I'd really, if I go back here on a skull crusher, I'd really get the long head. And I'm like, well, yeah. Do you want to really, really, really get the long head? They guess, just stand up and do this. And they're like, oh, fuck, okay. So that's my best answer to that. Yeah, that makes that makes tons of sense. Uh, something I'm also interested in actually is, oh, the variants will make sense. Have you ever, did you touch on kind of inclining it, flat, decline? Some people vary that. Do you see any kind of relevance to that as well? I I do. I think the incline skull crusher is fine, but a lot of times your head just gets in the way and then you're not able to get a stretch at the bottom. A decline skull crusher is great. But like sometimes getting into a decline bench and getting weights into your hands is, I don't really know how to do that efficiently. <laughs> like, how, how does that even work? You get into a decline, you're like, all right, give me weight. And you get the weight from someone and they stand around while you do it. And sometimes with a, a big enough decline, it, it turns out that it, it actually like doesn't stretch at the bottom as much. So for me, I think a skull crusher on a flat plane has worked the best. Mind you, all of this is in the context of if you try an incline or a decline skull crusher, and you notice that either it is a very good variation and you want to do it for a while, please do it. And also, if the stimulus to fatigue ratio for you is really good there, absolutely do it. I just wouldn't say that it's my first guess at what the best approach is. If I get a new client and I'm training them, they're lying down and they're doing lying skull crushers. And then they're also standing up and doing standing skulls. And if we try to experiment with some stuff of incline and decline and they seem to like it and works well, great. But that's not my first go-to choice. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. I only recently tried doing a very minimal decline like it's like the smallest decline because <laughs> the bench doesn't really go declined but it somehow falls right. a little bit so i was just trying it out and it's all right like it's not night and day but i've always liked the standard flat and i, I like coming to the the face um but it's there's so many variants there that you've just opened up like if you do try an incline a decline a flat and then you try i mean there's dumbbells as well you can use like easy bar mm -hmm. what have you so there's actually i mean I, skull crushes for me have always been like a i don't know 
like a pull up or a squat pattern like there's something i do for my triceps like all the time so yes yes it's it's nice i think people just think skull crushes and they're the one thing whereas actually there's like a whole host of different things you can play around with so 100%. yeah that's I think people get a lot from I think people get a lot from your videos in general in terms of the form videos more than maybe they expect. Even myself, like when I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a, even just as a reminder, like the Ben Over Row one I think you recently released, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's a good reminder. Mm. And when when I see you guys lift, I'm like, ah, Steve, you need to tighten that up a little bit. Like control that eccentric a bit. <laughs> I more. <laughs> watch you on Instagram. I think about that when I see you lift. I'm like, man, I really gotta clean up my hack squat technique. You know? <laughs> I think it's good to like me and you and a few other folks here have built like a little culture of, um, uh, you know, just follow Trevor Fulbright to see what the right actual proper technique is. But, uh, uh, you know, there's a few of us now and more and more and more of us that are like really sticklers on just using the best technique possible. And that's kind of great because we're kind of building a small culture around that and this little subculture of bodybuilding. And it ends up being like you look at you're following five or six guys who all do really good technique all slightly differently. Uh, and all of a sudden it's like, well, geez, you know, uh, uh, we could all pick up something from uh, each other. And even you could be a stickler for technique and you go too far and you start kind of not being able to produce as much force. You're overthinking it because we're in that little community of good technique people. We can look and say, oh, actually, yeah, okay, I'm being too much of an insane person about this. Everyone's got a little bit more freedom and wiggle room and they seem like they're getting great results. So I'm going to try that. I think it's good that we have each other to look to. It's not like there's one person who has the best technique and everyone else leading behind. It's like, well, it depends on what exercise and the, what is good technique is a little bit of a spectrum. So, I mean, the reality is Jared Feather just has better technique than all of us, but uh, fuck him. I'm tired of hearing his name. <laughs> I'm number one, damn it. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, it's reminding me, um, you know, Shimmy Hacker, he came on the, he, you trained Oh, sorry, him. Shimmy, Shimmy has the best technique of all of us. That's, yeah. I, I sometimes him see Shimmy's Trouble, technique. Right. <laughs> And I'm like, do I need to go that? That looks too slow for me. <laughs> Obviously, it works great for Shimmy. I'm like, Shimmy will comment my technique. I'm like, yours is, I mean. <laughs> Shimmy, Control. we had Shimmy on the channel. Yeah, we had him on the channel. And I was like, we were, it's my, myself and uh, Jared and, uh, and uh, Scott, the video guys there. And we're trying to coach Shimmy. And I have nothing to say. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. That's really good. That's better than I would do it. <laughs> and uh, except like there's no cues to give. His technique never breaks down. And I'm like, Shimmy, you don't need to do the eccentrics that slow. Like you're actually doing <laughs> too good. You know, like yeah. uh, so it's and it's great that, you know, somebody like that is around because he's somebody that, you know, we had a chance to mentor a little bit through the RP plus days. And yep. uh, he ended up taking what we said and really applying it in kind of the most extreme possible way. And we're like really honored. Like he's like, well, yeah, I got this from you guys. And we're like, fuck, man, we never taught you to do it that well. <laughs> um, you know, the, the most honorable thing I think any educator or mentor can can see is someone exceeding them that they helped to contribute to that. And then Shimmy right. is the ultimate example of like, you. I just want to every every gym Shimmy ever goes to. I want to like have a sign above him that floats digitally there that people can look at with the AR goggles and go, this is copy him. This is the guy to copy everyone else. Whatever that guy do what that guy's doing. And then they see him doing it and be like, Oh hell no. I don't want to do a pull up like that. I get like three reps and they're like, well, sorry, you're not as strong as you thought. 
apart from his foot stance. I don't know how many people would have very, he has his heels like almost touching on like squat patterns. I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, I think that movement is 110% quads. Somehow you get 10% more quads than you're supposed to. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Shimmy, he did ask a question, so I might as well jump to him. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> he said, details on what your plans are with your training once you're done with bodybuilding. <sighs> yeah. So I currently weigh somewhere between 240 and 250, depending on what scale I'm on or whatever, sort of how many nutrients I've consumed. And um, what I'm trying to do is drop uh, within a year after retiring from bodybuilding, which hopefully will happen in the next two to four years, two to three years, is uh, I'm trying to drop down to like 190. And I'm trying to keep as much upper body mass as possible, but I will completely stop training my legs for hypertrophy. I will only train them for strength. I will probably start doing some sort of cardio, be it uh, sprints with a vest, maybe an elliptical, some combination of that. And my wife and I are going to attempt, if we're still healthy, to become put pretty close to as much effort into Brazilian jiu-jitsu as we currently, as I currently put into bodybuilding. And uh, her and I train uh, about five times a week right now together. She's actually my training partner now. And um, it's great. It's the best training I ever gotten. Uh, well, Josh Vogel is the best training I ever got, but he taught me how to train Crystal and I train her. And so it's amazing training. And uh, it's really great, but we just don't go very hard. It's a lot of basic technique because that's what she needs. It's great review for me a lot of reps, but what we're going to do is start training six sessions a week hard and maybe a couple other little mini technique things. We'll really start to do advanced jiu periodization and try to become for what our genetics and body shapes allow, like in our own little world, like kind of mini killers, you know, I'll probably be a black belt by then. And I want to be the guy that like people are like, oh, that guy's pretty jacked. And I want to just give people surprises. I'm not going to win worlds. I don't have the genetics for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't compete with a full-time professional jiu-jitsu athlete who's more talented than me. But I can be the guy who, like, some guy who placed at Worlds, rolls with in an open mat and beats me and then walks off and goes, man, that was a lot harder. That's what that was going to be. God damn, fuck that guy. And uh, my wife has kind of similar aspirations. And so it's just going to be Brazilian jiu-jitsu and upper body lifting uh, and lower body strength training and some good cardio and be healthy and lean weigh about 190 for a while and then see where the biotechnology revolution ends up after that. So Even, I mean, I can't imagine you, it's just going to be crazy to see that transformation in its own right. Cause I've only ever known you as like huge, big Dr. Mike. I remember meeting you for the first <laughs> yeah. time and just being like, this guy's massive. Like what is going Fuck. on? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but right. even you at 190, people have to realize like, that's not light for that height. <laughs> like I'm saying just six, over, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm yeah. just over 190 pounds at the moment at 510. And I'm like, man, what 190 <laughs> Mike is still going to look like a jacked beast. So <laughs> sure. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that'll be an exciting time for you, I think. And you'll probably learn a ton of new different things during that phase of your life. And yeah, I don't, I don't even think about like life after bodybuilding. It's like nothing. I'm like, no, bodybuilding all in, but yeah, it's I nice. You've actually got something. For a generation, I didn't think about life after bodybuilding. And then more recently I started thinking about it. Um, I just, I, I guess I got to tell you, Steve, like the fact that you haven't thought about it is not a bad thing. It's great. Yeah. Because you're drug free. Um, you have many, 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 many more years in the sport. Um, 
you know, with the level I'm competing at and the pharmacology I have to impose on myself, I'm kind of trying to get this thing done as soon as I can and get the fuck out. <laughs> I hate all this shit. Yeah. Uh, it's this, the bodybuilding is amazing. The lifestyle, the culture is amazing. The supplements are just uh, it's old hat to me, man. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, the, I suppose the underlying thing is like when I'm at 190, I will be at TRT or completely drug free and I can't fucking wait. Um, yeah. No, I, I can imagine. And it'll, yeah, it would just open up like any, anything that's taken away through the bodybuilding and through all the, the side effects and everything, like you'll get that back in spades and mm-hmm. be a bit of a, a new leash on life. So that's very cool. Um, right. So we get to the next question. This one's from Mill and they've asked any validity to having a whey shake immediately post-workout and then whole foods an hour later or a whole food meal, I guess a normal standard meal. Yes, the way will get into the bloodstream faster by a tiny, tiny fraction. You may grow more muscle over the long term. But I would say is whey combined with a fast digesting carbohydrate like Gatorade would be even better because less of the whey protein will be used for immediate energy reserves and more of it will be used to trigger and supply raw materials for anabolism. Uh, protein is not by itself super magical. It's great. It's the best single thing you could take. But protein plus carbs, like if, if you're having a fun party at home, for friends, I'd say like proteins like the alcohol and carbs are like the really fun snacks. Yes, you can party with just alcohol in the United States. That's what college is. But when you grow up, you realize, fuck that. It's terrible. Uh, it's sure it's, it is fun. It gets you drunk. But you you do want some snacks uh, for once you're tipsy and, you know, cheese, it's taste really good. So, uh, you know, if you have a whey shake after, that's great. But get some carbs carbohydrates in there as well with that way shake and then an hour later have a whole food meal and that's actually how myself and jared and, and everyone that we're involved with uh that's what we sort of recommend for higher level folks to really check all the boxes and i think that works really well i will say that like that compared to just whole food right after the effect will be so small that you will probably never see it detected in any studies on recreationally trained undergraduates because the sample sizes are too small and the effect magnitude is too small to detect um but uh, it probably does have theoretical benefits that are pretty straightforward. Um, so uh, that would be like um, something that is there's probably a, um, a you know, better idea than not. I, I guess uh, uh, how how small that effect magnitude is is kind of like, you know, if you have someone who's like a pickup artist or something and they're just trying to get girls and um, their breath smells completely normal. They just don't have it. You know, like people who who like they haven't brushed their teeth uh, in the 20 minutes, but their breath just smells fine. It doesn't smell like toothbrush breath, but it smells like, oh, like nothing or just pleasant, like a normal whatever. That versus if they just brush their teeth, uh, you know, which one gets them laid more? I suspect that having just brush your teeth breath is subtly a small advantage, but it's so small, you'll, you, it's not like you have fucking halitosis and you speak to people and they're like, oh my God. It's normal and fine versus like just a little bit better. I think this is kind of that similar kind of effect. I just wouldn't go in and be like, man, changing it up, bro. I'm going to get these way shakes going after my workout. Watch these fucking games. Notify the National Security Administration. They're going to have to put me in the superhero jail. <laughs> it's not going to be that. But if you want to be meticulous and you want to just really, really check all the boxes, uh, a whey protein and carbohydrate shake probably during and right after your workout is a good idea. And then a little while later, a whole food meal is probably uh, pretty close to theoretically ideal. 
Do you not see the progress you would like? Are you sick of writing your own programs? Or perhaps you need some accountability in order to stick with the plan? Then it's time to start working with us. We at Revive Stronger offer a truly personalized coaching service. You'll get more than just an email with some macros or random cookie cutter program. With Revive Stronger, you will be the center of our attention. You will receive your own fully individualized training protocol alongside a customized nutritional strategy. We created the coaching around your needs, wants, personal preferences, and your own unique lifestyle. Every single week, we delve into your program in order to make appropriate adjustments so that we get the most out of your time and the best possible outcome. We help both female and male athletes to seriously change their body composition by adding more muscle mass and decreasing fat tissue. No matter if you're a competitive bodybuilder or just want to look better, if you need help with your progress and taking your physique to the next level, our coaching is for you. It's time to make a change. Sign up today and let's revive stronger. Do you think, Mike, does it influence the if the pre-workout meal was like, does that influence it potentially if someone's eaten? I don't know. Maybe they have that concoction like way in like a fast digesting carbohydrate like an hour before they train. Does that impact then that suggestion? It's like, can the pre kind of nutrition impact what you would do post? Yes, you can still do the post, but there's less of a benefit. And not to say that there's more of a cost or something. It's just you've sort of taken care of maybe half or 75% of that need. So when you stop training, your muscles are actually still chewing on fresh amino acids and glucose right from your bloodstream because you put that in during and, and before the workout. So then the impetus, you may buy yourself another half hour before you get home and eat the whole food meal. Um, so if you have a pre-workout meal, that certainly uh, means that there's less of a reason to have that post-workout. But like, I'll put it to you this way. Let's say you gym, you drive home from the gym, you're like visiting somewhere and you're going to some very fancy gym and you're hotel where you have some food is 45 minutes away. If you wake up, have breakfast, wait an hour, go to the gym, train, you can drive home 45 minutes after, eat a whole food meal, and you don't really have to worry about anything. Uh, I mean, on the margins, barely at all. Like You're doing the right thing. If you wake up, go training fasted, and then drive 45 minutes, you could have, at the gym counter, bought an isopure 48-gram protein shake, two Gatorade bottles, had that in the car, and been just by a tiny bit, a little bit better off. That's yeah. how I put it. And I guess also like that's where the intro workout can also help you if you're having like a carbohydrate powder and even some protein. Intro is even that. better. Well, yeah. Intro is even closer to, to the right answer. Correct. Yeah. So if you have a pre-workout, the post-workout's not as important. If you have an intro workout, the post-workout's not nearly as important. And if you have a post-workout right after, you've bought yourself quite a bit more time an hour or so after to really start getting that next whole food meal in. And that whole food meal doesn't have to be a whole food meal. It can be another shake. Uh, if you, it, could be, it could be shakes all the way down uh, to answer a question nobody asked, but people ask all the time, can I just have shakes? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's not a fun lifestyle, but you can do it. It's perfectly healthy. Uh, your body doesn't need whole food or something like that. Uh, it, it turns everything into a shake anyway. Your intestines do not deal in solid food. Um, but, uh, you know, like, yeah, uh, I always I, I was curious. A lot of times I answer those questions one off. Like someone's like, you know, if I have like four shakes and two whole meals a day, am I going to die? Like, is that too many yeah. shakes? And I'm always like, no, you're fine. But also I want to know, like, why are you doing this? You know, is there a compelling reason? Is maybe you just don't have an idea of how whole food works and selection I think a lot of people have this idea that either I have shakes or I come home and I make fresh whole food gourmet and otherwise like <laughs> sandwiches are out, takeout food is out. And it's like, hey, you can eat a lot of whole food. You don't have to, 
you know, prep right there on the spot every time. So sometimes people will say, okay, I have to have shakes because I can't have whole food. And it's like, you sure you can't have cold food? And they, why don't you have like two granola bars and a glass of milk? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, I can do that. Like, yes, like that's not really bodybuilding food. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's not something bodybuilders take pictures with in the eighties muscle <laughs> magazines. I know that the only answer to there is white rice, broccoli, and chicken. But it turns out nutritionally that meal of granola bars and skim milk is exactly the same macros exactly the same effect on your body pretty much and so you can totally have snacks that are whole food that don't have to be just like shake versus bodybuilding picturesque meal you know what i mean yeah, yeah no completely it's a that's like a question i think was just going to be there forever like i get asked today I'm like can i have like how many servings of like whey protein do you have through the day what's the maximum you can like have and it's not a problem it's like it's, i mean whey yeah. protein is pretty darn good choice of protein if you're going to go for one so <laughs> yes i, don't think I there think is in the next Five to 10 years, we're going to have something, the equivalent of Google, very likely Google will have the service that um, you can set a filter on the search that filters experts only, and there'll be some way to verify who's an expert or not. And it'll be a large language model, like you've seen with some of the Lens AI stuff. Then you'll just ask it questions, and it'll give you a decent answer of what the experts think on average. Um, and, and then people can just ask that thing. And everyone will have access to the average expert. And it'll get some things wrong every now and again, but it'll do a whole lot better than the gym bro at your local gym, you know, who's yeah. not an expert or an AI. And it'll be like, hey, like, can I eat, can I drink shakes versus eating whole foods? And it'll be like, well, the average expert thinks that's generally that's a fine idea. Try to eat whole food when you can. But if it's just shakes, no big deal. Like, I'd love to see something like that come up. Yeah, Because you're right. It, it is something that, like, it's tough because there's not a ton of expert experts. And access to experts is limited. You have to get in the queue at Revive Stronger to ask Dr. Mike, blah, blah, blah. Like these questions have been answered so many times. And interestingly enough, if you just train an AI to parse like exclusively what you and I have put out on YouTube, and it only learns what you and I put out on YouTube, Jesus Christ, it'll be able to answer 90% of any question you ever ask about training. Because we will have answered that by then for sure on YouTube. Yeah. It's just funny to me how it took me a while as, a, as an expert or whatever to realize that like when I answered a question for the first few times, I was like, I got this sensation in my mind, like, oh, that's it. I answered it. We're done here. Yeah, Moving yeah. on to more advanced <laughs> things. And then the next week, someone's like, hey, what do you think about partial reps? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, why am I saying Jesus Christ? Who the fuck? Like, they don't fucking, can you imagine going to like, you know, computer store and being like, what kind of mouse is the best? And the guy's like, I just answered this yesterday. You're like, wait, but that wasn't to me. <laughs> I don't know. Why are you yelling at me? What's wrong with you, nerd? <laughs> and so at the end of the day, I think I, I look, and it's, it's great because right now, even um, you can search like the questions that you and I talk about on YouTube or the stuff we have on RP YouTube. If you just go to YouTube and you search Dr. Mike or Steve Hall or Vive Stronger, and then whatever topic you have, there's a better and better chance every week that we have answered that question. And yeah. I think that's great. You know, like back when yeah. I got into bodybuilding, holy fuck, you either you read muscle magazines or you had someone at your gym that knew things. That was about it. You could buy textbooks and that was that. It's funny you mentioned the questions because there was a time where I was able almost to keep up with every kind of publication that you'd have like any podcast you're on or like q a's you would do and i was like yeah okay right mike's asked that like someone asked a question i'm like he's answered that somewhere else i know what he's gonna say yes i was always yes. trying to find like questions you'd never been asked whereas now i'm like i have no hope <laughs> like i have right. mike has Too answered everything probably let's yeah. i'm gonna ask it in a unique way or somehow get something All else right. out of it um right. but i thought relating back to this question i think it's good because whilst this is something i feel like 
I feel like some people kind of maybe in the evidence-based community and people listening kind of poo-pooed nutrient timing a little bit and like, oh, it doesn't matter that much, like boiled it down to very much basics. But you explained there that there's there's a magnitude of difference. It's not like night and day, like it's not a must, but I think it's also on a spectrum of someone who's more advanced, probably some of the listeners who are taking this very seriously. If they want to, if it's something small they can do within their program, why mm -hmm. wouldn't they do it if it's going to benefit them that small amount? So I thought that was well explained. Um, Next question. This is actually an interesting question. King of Gains. Not that the other questions aren't interesting. Uh, King it. of Gains. I, I was going to make fun of you, but you made fun <laughs> yeah. of yourself. I was like, take it back. I've already, uh, I work on that level. I always say stuff like that and I'm like, oh, why did I say that? <laughs> uh, he asked, what are your long-term expectations for Jared in the IFBB? I don't have any at all. Um, we all have the genetics we have. We all have the work effort we have, um, and that is the fundamental determinant, uh, along with the luck of not getting into a car accident or something. That no offense, Steve, well, that's actually what got you into bodybuilding, I suppose. Yeah. So really, really, that was uh, the, you're like, Steve, what, what what would you say is the biggest thing in your life that got you jacked? You're like getting hit by a truck. Next question, <laughs> they're like, what? Do I need to get hit by a truck? Is that how it works? Um, but. Uh, um, we can take our genetics and we can multiply them by our work effort. And with due luck, that will result in a certain kind of physique. How that physique fits into the overall competitive landscape is in large part due to how that physique looks, but in also very large part due to what the competitive landscape looks like. Like uh, if you are a really, really good bear hunter and you have a really, really good rifle, are you going to get a bear today in your hunt? I don't know. Are there any bears around or are they all asleep or just not within 10 miles of where you're looking? You could be the best guy in the world and find zero bears. As a matter of fact, Dr. Melissa Davis at RP is actually a bear hunter. It's fucking crazy. But, uh, you know, she'll go out and sometimes she'll kill a bear and sometimes she won't. Um, and if she sights a bear, that bear is dead. But, they, 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 you know, they're kind of shy. They don't always come around. So much the same way. If Jared shows up at 250 pounds with striated glutes, he's a dangerous man with his lines. But maybe by then the standard of the sport is everyone's 265 with striated glutes, and then Jared takes fourth at a couple pro shows and retires. Uh, or Jared can figure out how to, he already knows how to dry himself out. He's been experimenting with some other stuff and didn't work out, so he's going to be back to his old dry out plan. But maybe he stays in classic physique and he does some good stuff. Maybe he decides to go into the open and does great stuff or he goes into the open and he decides that the dosages and the heavy body weights and the health stuff isn't for him. And then he just shuts it down and just trains for good looks and goes to Thailand to become a professional kickboxer. Because I don't know if people know this, but Jared used to be an amateur kickboxer and watching him throw kicks is really, really scary because you're like, holy shit, with calves that big and with quads <laughs> that big to launch him with good technique. I don't want to like I would just my head would explode if I ever got kicked by that. But um at the end of the day, you know, uh, there's just too many question marks, which is why uh, probably one of my, this isn't a pet peeve. I basically have almost no pet peeves. I have comedy pet peeves, like the pet peeves is a joke because they irritate me in a funny way, not in a serious way. But one of my funny pet peeves is when people do like very serious announcements of like, uh, you know, hey man, did you see that one powerlifter? He squatted XYZ and he's only 19 years old. I'm like, right, that's right. So that means he should be getting addicted to heroin tomorrow and he should be out of the sport in three weeks. And they're like, that's a really nasty take. And I'm like, I'm kidding, of course, but 
I've been around long enough to see so many people with promises under their name go fucking nowhere. And so many other people with that people had no idea who they were go everywhere. I mean, um, uh, Charlie and I were walking through the Arnold one year, a few years back, and we met Nick Walker back when he was just an amateur. He wasn't even a top amateur. Well, we looked at his arms and we were like, oh my fucking God. We came up to him. We're like, who are you? And he's like, oh, Nick Walker. And we're like, what does that mean? Explain yourself. <laughs> and we're like, your arms, your body is insane. And he's like, oh, thanks. I'm really trying to get a pro card. And we're like, what? You don't have a pro card. None of us are ever getting a pro card. And of course, he put it together. And, and now he's top five. But like back then, he wasn't in any conversations. Nobody in the Olympia five, four or five years ago was like, oh, I'll have to contend against this guy. You know, it wasn't even, or what about that new guy, that new guy, quote unquote, he's been training for years, Andrew Jacked or whatever. That's like the giant black dude. Uh, who's yes, I've seen him. Scene. Bro, he came out of nowhere and like won like three pro shows. Like who the hell planned on an asshole? Nobody. He's the fucking man. So, you know, uh, I don't have any expectations for Jared uh, because as everyone knows, which is the God's honest truth, Jared is my biological son. I want to be very clear <laughs> about this. Um, what's so funny, Steve? Why are you laughing? Um, as the literal father to Jared Feather, um, was there when he was born, um, to Crystal, his mom, of course. She didn't get a lot of the Asian genetics. It's weird. We can try to figure out how that works. Uh, I will love and be proud of Jared no matter what, forever. <laughs> and if he quits bodybuilding tomorrow, that doesn't change. If he becomes Mr. Olympia, that doesn't change. Genetics-wise, if he's okay with getting really enormous and responding well to the farm, he can absolutely crack he has the potential to crack the top 10 in the open mr olympia can he go further than that that is to that first part of the discussion of it just depends on who else is there you know very few people can you say that person's going to be mr olympia and i would have said that about somebody like keon pearson keon prodigy um but he hasn't won the o yet you know but he, does he have all the tools to win yes but he's got a small problem and that small problem is Derek lunsford who's not a small problem at all and I think Derek's now in the open, but then there's Sean Clarita, who comes in with like, I think he has to eat for like four weeks after the Olympia to get back to 0% body fat, where he's like <laughs> negative four or some shit. He stores his body fat in an alternate dimension as negative body fat. Um, you know, like you can look at Sean Clarita on a picture and be like, yeah, like he looks great, but you know, I don't know, whatever, he looks fine. Uh, but then Jared has actually tanned side by side with him in real life. And he's like, Mike, I can assure you that nothing about him is human. It's not, there's lean, there's Marvin the Martian, uh, you know, Marvin physique from Hong yep. Kong. And then there's three other rungs and then there's Sean Clarita somewhere <laughs> out on his own. He has striations on his upper quads uh, all the way to his hips, like nonsense, right? And so can Kia knock him off? Yeah, he has the genetics to knock him off. Will he? He's got to get a lot right. Yeah. You know, so when someone, like, what, one of my least, again, joke, pet peeve, uh, it was when people like, you know, some guy, some great bodybuilder will post a picture and there's a bunch of nut huggers. And I mean, this is jokingly, it's totally okay to fanboy people. Uh, uh, I'm just being a dick about it. Uh, some, some guys will be like future Mr. O it's like, I get what you're saying. It's a great, super awesome, nice thing to say. Great karmic energy as a real thing to say that you really mean it's a probabilistic statement. And the probability is not 100% for anybody. Yeah. Flex Wheeler in the or in the mid 90s, everyone knew he was a future Mr. O. Up until the year before Ronnie Coleman showed up. Nobody saw that coming. Ronnie, I think in the year 1997, 
98, Ronnie won his first one um, and prevented Flex Wheeler from winning. He took second. And I believe in 97, Ronnie took like ninth. Flex Wheeler. Flex Wheeler is still the guy you see a picture of and you're like, that is the perfect human being. God made one man and it was Flex Wheeler. And then not God copied the rest and he copied us all wrong to some extent. Uh, he never won the Olympia because you could look at it and say, how, how could he not? But then you see Ronnie Coleman in 98, you go, what the fuck is that? This is a human bodybuilding competition. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's not a human being. So exact comp competition predictions uh, and career predictions are even more uncertain because years go by and people have different priorities and uh, things change, you know, and yeah. some people leave the sport and just go on to do better things. Like I've seen guys with a lot of promise leave the sport, but I got tired, I got tired of the drugs, tired of the bullshit. And then they go on like, have like great careers and beautiful pictures of the families on Instagram. And I'm like, they're objectively having a better time doing this <laughs> than bodybuilding. And the rest of us are like, oh, bodybuilding is all there is. But like, that's total bullshit. You know, yeah. uh, if you think that's true, maybe you'll have a chance to fly out of, you know, first class seat next to Elon Musk somehow. And he's like, oh, so what do you do? You're like, you do the most important thing in the world, brother. I do this. And he's like, oh, okay. I saved the world by building electric cars and whatever. And you're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> so, you know, at the end, it's really tough to make swift predictions. And I don't get into the business of doing that. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Losing weight fast while maintaining muscle mass. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It isn't, though. It's reality, and we know how to do it. And we will help you achieve this. The Minicup Movement is an eight-week fat loss program to make you lose a huge chunk of fat while maintaining muscle mass at the same time. We will support you from the beginning to the end so that you see the results you would like to and come out of it much stronger. You'll receive a fully automated spreadsheet that is based on your nutritional needs. You can choose between six different male and female training templates. Over 30 videos will guide you through each and every single step of the minicut so that you're getting the most out of your journey and that you always know what to do. But the best thing is that you can start whenever you want. The Minicup movement is open 24-7. So if you want to learn more or you're ready to sign up, hit the link in the description below. So let's revive stronger together. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have expected anything less from you, Mike, but I really respect that because I guess you almost said my pet peeve, but it's kind of one of those. Where, and again, it's a bit of a Like, I don't really care, but like, right. I don't know. People will see me say something about where I have expectations or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, like you just, I mean, they think I'm not going to try as hard because I'm just realistic. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't expect to go pro. Like I'll try my best, but who the fuck knows? Whereas you'll see these people, normally it's younger guys who are like, yeah, I'm get my pro card this year or I'm definitely going to win. Like everyone better watch out for me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it's kind of that pet peeve where it's like, yeah, I don't like hate on them. Like I understand why they have that kind of mindset yeah. and probably helps them yeah. in some ways, but yes. it's just, you know better. <laughs> there is... A mindset of the champion who's getting ready for the fight. And the mindset you have to have that makes you perform the best at the fight or at the bodybuilding show is fuck everyone, I'm going to win. I'm a juggernaut. Every time my fist touch anything, it explodes. That's not literally true. But if you think like that, if you believe it, you try to believe it as much as possible, it will empower you to do your best. After the fight is over, you can go and hug your opponent and you can tell them, bro, you pushed me so goddamn far. I was nearly going to give up five times during that fight. And he could say, well, I thought you were an indestructible juggernaut. You could be like, come on, bro. We all play that game. Uh, or if you lose the fight, 
you can have your acceptance speech of loss with a lot of humility. And you can say, hey, man, uh, shout out to my opponent. He was amazing. And I'm back to the drawing board for me, but I'll be back. And everyone's like, well, I thought you said you were indestructible in the pre-fight interview. But I had to say that because I have to believe it because I have to unleash all of my energy. Like, you know, if you if you ask any Ukrainian right now fighting Russia, is Ukraine going to win? They say, absolutely, fucking Ukraine's going to win. They really do believe that. If you got them sat down after the war, after hopefully Ukraine wins, and you go, okay, the microphone's on, here's the Vice documentary special of reflecting back on the war. Did you truthfully always think Ukraine was going to win? And be like, bro, are you kidding me? In March, we all thought we were going to be enslaved by the Russians for forever. We were front lines, we were being pushed back. We're fucking losing 200 guys a day in a battlefield. Fuck no. But we had to believe that it was going to happen. So there's a very nuanced distinction between those two. And I hope the people posting on Instagram, I'm future Mr. O, understand that nuance. And if they got that spirit, that energy of I'm future Mr. O, listen, I'm clapping when I'm with them. Get that shit, baby. Get that shit. Get those reps. Eat the fucking food. Get the supplements in. Do your thing. I believe in you too. But if they're like, no, no, I'm saying I'm making a very distinct statistical claim. I will have a 100% chance of being Mr. Olympia. I'm like, all right, you're a fucking clown. <laughs> you know, like, what are you, crazy? You could just break your ankle while walking onto the stage and never make it. You know, like, there's 50 trillion things that could happen. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's well said, actually. I think there, there is an, a sense of if you are counting yourself out that badly, that's going to knock your psychology somewhat. Like you got to still have that little bit of oomph behind you. So that's very well said. We probably have time for one more question, don't we, Mike? Yes, that'd be great. Yes. Perfect. So uh, this one from Patrick, he asked, I guess, uh, sore back from Smith squatting. Is that normal or should I try something else? It's hard because you can't see it, of course, but I don't know if there was any kind of, if you've experienced that with people before where there's something maybe they're doing. Patrick? I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm going to be the first person to tell you this. It's not that it's not normal. It is that it is morally reprehensible. And you're a bad person because it's happening. And not only that, you should be worried about it. I wouldn't go to sleep. I would just stay up, <laughs> lots of coffee, and just stew and fret about it. I mean, something is wrong deep down that I don't think Smith squats can fix. Um, I'm joking, of course. I do like to fuck with people like that in the because <laughs> for five seconds, they're like, oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I knew where this is going. Um, so is it normal? If you're not used to Smith squats and or your back is a limiting factor for you because it's just not that strong and or your technique could use improvement you could have totally normal back soreness and it's totally fine. And let me talk about those three individual cases of how that's uh, mediated. You're just new to Smith squats and your technique is good. You're know, like, they're squats. Like they can make your back get tight and sore. That's okay. It makes it bigger and stronger. So it's no big deal. So that'll just fix itself in a few weeks. And then you'll be like, oh, and my back feels great. Or it'll always hit the back a little bit, but it hits your quads a lot too. So, hey, win-win. If it's a technique fix, like you said very presciently, Steve, we can't see the video, so we can't speak to it. But um, yes, there are definitely ways to do Smith squats that can way overtax your lower back versus what it needs to be. Just off the cuff, if your feet are too far behind you or too far ahead of you, that can cause lower back to be the limiting factor. I would say keep your feet mostly under you, but a little bit forward. Another thing is I would keep your chest super sky high up. Let your knees come really far forward on the way down with the heels still on the ground. Descend very slowly. Make sure completely upright your lower back doesn't ground. 
Don't go any deeper than if your lower back rounds. Play with your foot stance to make it wider or narrower so that you feel that your lower back, here's the, the entire back and here's the, uh, uh, what's that called? The femur. Your lower back's got to be like this at the bottom. If it's like this, this is no bueno, right? So if you can only get down to here when your lower back is tight, and if you go lower, it goes like this, just, just stop your squats right here. Get some weightlifting shoes so it can be this way. And as you're coming up, make sure you're not just coming up, but you're pushing. Think about pushing your, this is a terrible analogy, but it's nonetheless true. Try to push your dick directly up. Up. <laughs> Because you'll notice that you can lift more weight if you push your hips back first and then kind of good morning weight in many cases. And while that is mechanically very efficient because it doesn't require you to push against your own uh, femur, it doesn't stimulate the quads anymore, or a little less actually. And also it really heavily taxes your lower back, which again, it's not a bad thing. It'll make you really strong. They get you a big lower back, but I don't suppose you're Smith squatting in order to hypertrophy lower back. Can you imagine someone's like, man, those are good squats. Are you targeting the quads? We're like lower back. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Huh. I just didn't see that one coming. So I would say those kind of technique tips are something to really keep an eye on. And that could help you. And then uh, lastly, it could just be like any kind of squats kind of tax your lower back because your lower back is made out of female genitalia and not actual lower back muscle. I'm kidding, of course, but you cancel for that sooner or later. We used to, back in the early 2000s, we used a different term, but uh, the actual term, I'm not going to get us canceled today, Steve, so I won't say <laughs> it. Um, even if it was made of male genitalia, it would be just as useless for lifting, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Although it could get hard. Mm, <laughs> yes. Uh, I knew you we were going to go we won't even. We won't even, I know, right? I just have to shut up. So uh, <laughs> you could be a situation where like you just have a kind of weaker lower back and then doing some uh, more deadlifting, some more good mornings uh, can help you make it stronger so that squats no longer tax your lower back much. Or you do some of those things, but also you just understand that like, yeah, like squats will make my lower back a little bit sore. And uh, they'll also make my quads even more sore. So I'm still winning, but it's okay. Like uh, when I do squats and my lower back is kind of tight after, I'm not like surprised. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Like I'm doing this with my fucking back under fucking hundreds of pounds. Of course I'm going to feel something. So that all being said, uh, that we're talking about the kind of tightness and soreness that means your muscles are being pushed. If it's some your actual spine, if it's some stuff with your intravertebral discs, yeah, that's not great. You shouldn't be feeling much discomfort in that. I can't speak to that because Patrick, I don't, was Patrick, right? Was that the person I yeah. asked? I don't know your particular situation. If you sign up for Team Forum, we could have you sort it out because we do video analysis all included, but uh, that's just me shilling for the company uh but in all honesty uh i would say to that make sure you can differentiate of where you feel the discomfort it's kind of like really beginner trainers if they do squat crushers they're like oh it hurts right here you're like okay do you mean elbow or tricep and they're like i don't know what the fuck is one of the, what is that i thought it's the same thing but a more advanced trainer will be like okay this is tricep pain and it's amazing that's what i want versus this is joint elbow pain and it's okay but i'm gonna try to work it out so it doesn't happen. Yeah. And a lot of people who think their lower backs are being somehow like, uh, there's a lot of conditioning uh, with the, the way media works and preconceived notions. And a lot of the uh, people who are involved in injury and pain management uh, really, really like hate this rightfully. That like, anytime people feel their lower backs at all, they're like, that's it, man. L5, S1 is gone. I'm going to be in a fucking wheelchair shitting into a bag tomorrow. No, 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 no. So if you could properly say to yourself, this is lower back musculature. You can work on your technique and your SFR to get it to be a little less or leave it as is as long as your legs are getting hit, you're fine. 
if it's joint connective tissue stuff, yes, it's worth a reevaluation. It's nothing to worry about, but it's worth, you know, playing with your technique a little bit more, taking a little bit of weight off the bar, trying some different exercises, um, maybe going to see a specialist to be like, hey, like it feels like this. Is this okay? And they're probably like, yeah, it's totally fine. And sometimes even joints and connective tissues can feel a little weird for a while. But then as you train, this is going to be a real shocker, they get stronger and then they don't feel bad. Like, you know, sometimes with deadlifts, your lower back doesn't feel amazing, but then you do the same load three weeks in a row and it feels great. And you're like, oh, I just had like a weak lower back and now it's stronger. So I would say all of those things apply. If you need to replay this and listen to it a couple of times, there's a lot of stuff to hear. Somewhere in there, you're going to be able to pick up some useful hints. And if you've exhausted all possibilities and you're just like, look, I just, the Smith squats just do not agree with my back and it's the bad kind of pain, not the good kind of pain, then fuck them. Just don't do them. There's like a 600 other quad exercises really well answered um the, the tech from the technique cues and also just like saying if if someone's doing it for the first time and they're not used to spinal loading and what have you uh, like again like people it's like i was doing a hip hinge and people were like oh do you feel that in your lower back and i'm like of course i feel it in my lower back and I'm like it's loading the spine is I'm, I'm gonna feel it so i think just telling people that it's a normal thing to feel your back but also yes. differentiating between the kind of normal muscular kind of fatigue versus something we don't want to be feeling so really really well answered mike and i was going to say q and a's we do a lot over on Team Full Rom anyway. So now if people want technique analysis, if they want more frequent Q&As with Mike, sure. you get an inside scoop at Team Full Rom so they can definitely go sign up over there. Um, I try and see some of them when I can. Like I said, you put out too much stuff and I'm too busy to, to catch every single one, but they're always great, just like these. So yeah, again, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time for doing this. Like I said, people really enjoy these. I do as well. And uh, yeah, we'll keep them going next year, hopefully. And is there anything else going on your end, Mike? to let the listeners know about or same places not not the same same see you guys on youtube the youtube is like just to give you guys a, a clue we we film uh often months and months ahead of time we have a huge stack of content ready at all times so if you want something to be filmed or something just get at me through insta put it in my comments Get on Team for Rom, say it, or get into revive and say it on a question or get into the youtube comments and say it and then if it's something like, because I scan the comments pretty frequently, and if someone asks a question, they're like, hey, have you ever thought about making a video on? Oftentimes, I have a stack of videos going years into the future, literally, like years that I have to make PowerPoints for, and I've already had a bunch of these ideas, but often the uh, viewers will say something, and I'm like, oh, holy fucking shit, I will make a video about that. That's a great idea. I've never thought to address that, and then I'll put it in the to-do stack. Now, sometimes we resort the stack, and this video will be bumped to be like, yeah, hey, something you'll see in a couple of months. Sometimes it'll be something you might see in like seven years, <laughs> but either way, we'll get to it. So if you have any questions that you want us to address on YouTube, that's the thing. Come check us out on YouTube or Renaissance Periodization. And uh, fuck, well, if you're at Revive, you're already damn well sorted. So stop over at RP for a bit and come back to Revive because <laughs> there's tons of good shit here. Thank you very much, Mike. And yeah, I'll make sure that's all linked in the description box below as well, like Mike's Instagram as well. And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Take care. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course.
The Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people, uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. It's also gonna be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.